Hi, welcome to Naval Gazing on valleyindy.org and 103.5 WNHH, New Haven's community radio station. Today's episode is brought to you by Valley Gives Back, a new initiative of the Valley Community Foundation. Adding a charity to your estate plan creates a legacy that tells future generations what causes matter to you during your life. Your action inspires others to follow your lead and to make a difference. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact your community forever without affecting your current lifestyle. For more information, visit valleygivesback.org. The Valley Gives Back is an initiative of the Valley Community Foundation, connecting private philanthropy to the long-term public good of the Valley. Plan now, give later, impact tomorrow. Valleygivesback.org. Hey everybody, I'm Eugene Driscoll. Welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indies podcast. We're also heard on 103.5 FM WNHH, New Haven's community radio station. This is our post-election podcast. It's about 10 p.m. Thursday, what is it, November 8th? Yeah. 9th. 9th. Okay, I'll go with that. November 9th. And I'll go around the table here and introduce the co-host and guest. With me, as always, is Valley Indy reporter Ethan Fry. Hello. And our two guests. This is, this is a multi-guest podcast because we'll even have somebody tomorrow Uh-oh. who's not here. Let's talk to the future. All right. <laughs> Chris LaRoque, a Derby resident. Absolutely. And Stefan Bahuniak, a member of the Seymour Board of Selectmen. Good evening. Now get close to that mic. You you know you got to get there. Yeah. Good evening. <laughs> Everybody can hear you now. So, uh, Chris, I know you from your involvement in the Naugatuck Valley Young Democrats. Yeah, absolutely. So you talk close to that mic too, so right, we can hear right. you. Yeah, we'll do so that. I, uh, this is my I, first time. I, I don't know if you're necessarily you're not necessarily representing them. Yeah, tonight. that's yeah, it's that's certainly important to know that um, you know I speak for myself only and and not for the group, although I am a member. So I wanted to talk about uh, the election in general that we just had here in the Valley. And you had a post on uh, your Facebook feed that I found fascinating. Cause a lot, and a lot of people have been talking about it in general, sort of the, the national uh, races and how they have played or didn't play or impacted or influenced what happened locally. And you, you basically said that, uh, well, I'll let you say it. You talked about Trump and how Trump is sort of a, a thing in the Valley. Where, where it might not be elsewhere. In the national race, like in Virginia, we saw Democrats uh, doing well, and the, the kind of the national media narrative is that this was a complete uh, uh, slap in the, in the face to Trump. Am I right? Repudiation. Either? That's the word. I, wanted, <laughs> yeah, I didn't yeah. want to say it and get it wrong. <laughs> but we didn't see that here. And, I, and, and talk about why. What's your reaction? What do you think happened? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's important to know that, you know, a lot of the places that you saw the... Um, 
you know, the repudiation of Trump tended to be a slightly different demographic than you have over here. You had uh, races in in, um, New Jersey and also in Virginia, like you had mentioned, but you also had races that are a little closer to home and places like Trumbull. And, you know, I I looked out at the the landscape and, and I just I saw a stark difference. And I said, you know what, I think it's worth saying something about because, um, you know, the as you the more affluent and the more, um, you know, well-educated and, and stuff that people that you have um, in those particular places, you tend to find that they repudiate Trump, whereas when you have, um, you know, a little more blue-collar areas, they tend to, you know, they're still they're still on the Trump train, you know, and that what Trump has to say and uh, his particular policies some of his policies certainly and um you know his ideas resonate and you saw that you know i think you saw that in in the lower naugatuck valley and i think you saw that as part of why you now have an entirely red naugatuck valley especially in the lower naugatuck and you valley. think in, in in derby trump people who didn't vote for uh mayor Degato and voted for rich zekin trump played a part in that well i mean you have to you have to it's it's a little more complicated than that because you know especially in the case of new jersey you had um a very 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 unpopular republican governor you know and and so you know all politics is certainly local and you know there were there were some some things that had happened in derby through the primary we had a primary and you know it fractured the democratic party in town and that certainly had something to do with it also so you know, you can't make direct correlations, but I think that you can look at it and you can really, you know, see what what I wrote in my post as you know fissures, um, and you could see where where places were staying, um, you know, true to Trump, and and where places were leaving him. Fry. I think that's uh, one. Wait, I think hold on, you're blowing out. Oh, well, sorry. This. My my fault. One. I think it's important that, as you say, there it, there are sort of unique factors. So like. I've been thinking about this the, the past couple of days, so you, like I don't want to read too much into it. Uh, like you said, there was the the Democratic split in Derby in Ansonia. You've got a, a very popular two-term mayor who's who's good at you know the you know sort of handshaking yeah, people on the street, stuff like that. At the same time, how given what happened. And as you say, it's more of like it's more of a working class electorate here, uh, and I guess the message didn't resonate from the Democratic candidates. Is isn't it incumbent on the Democratic Party now, especially in the Naugatuck Valley, to move toward the working class, to move quote unquote leftward? I'm using scare quotes toward <laughs> a more sort of uh, working class oriented politics rather than you know winning or or, or or would that risk losing the communities like the glastonberries and the trumbulls and, and and the communities like that that you that the democrats saw gains on tuesday well i mean ultimately you know all politics is local and and you know the local spin is going to be probably just as important as as you know broader trends but yeah i mean the the, the democratic party absolutely and especially as as younger members like uh, myself and, and stefan you know i feel like that we need to to you know do a lot of soul searching in that respect and figure out how to maintain our values and and the the things that we believe in as democrats but also at the same time to, to you know to get on the level and and not look over uh you know blue collar working class neighborhoods and working class cities like Derby and Ansonia. Now, uh, Stefan, 
Now, is it Stefan or is Steph? Stefan? Stefan. Not Stefan. Stefan. Oh, so I've been saying Despite it right all what these Kurt years. Miller will say. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> That's where I'm getting it from. Oh, we got to talk about Kurt Miller. But so you're, you just went through uh, an election. Sure and did. you can see it on your face. You look tired. <laughs> you're, how, how are you holding up? Um, I'm exhausted, frankly. So uh, when you were out there, <laughs> did, did, did Trump or Trumpism or the national politics, did it ever come into play? Like when you were knocking on doors, did people just say, oh, dirty liberal? No, I, I, I got to be honest with you. I don't, I don't think it did in Seymour. Um, I, I heard, if anything, I heard a lot of uh, anti-Trump rhetoric. Uh, which I thought was predictable. Seymour, Seymour is a little different than Derby and Ansonia in the fact that I would call it somewhere in the middle of, um, you know, if you have Ansonia and Derby on one side and you have Glass and Berry and Trumbull on the other side, we, we fall somewhere in that middle. We have a lot of blue-collar people. We have a lot of people, as, as we call it, up, you know, up on the hill, who it's, it's kind of a bedroom community up there. Um, there's some really, you know, nice affluent neighborhoods. And, and I think to Chris's point, what, what you see in terms of um, any sort of backlash to Trump. I think you see the people who were his base from the beginning, the people who made up that 25 to 30% that supported him in the primaries, those people haven't gone anywhere. And I think a lot of those people live in Ansonia, Derby, parts of Seymour. I think the people who were slow to come around, some of the late adopters, um, I think those people have been the first to, to jump off the train. And, and there's some of those people in Seymour certainly a lot of those people in the Trumbulls, the Glastonbury's of the world. But anybody who tells you that a local race is decided on one factor is, you know, it's just not true. There's a lot of factors. Nobody's going to really be able to pinpoint all of the factors because I can say in Seymour's race, we Democrats actually performed just as well, if not even a little bit better than we did in 2015 before Trump. And we had a top of the ticket candidate who ran a very strong campaign in Zani and Matoski in 2015. Um, in 2015. This year we didn't have one. And Kurt Miller performed well. Obviously, he was unopposed. His selectman slate performed about the same as they did in 2015. Down ticket, we performed a little better than we did in 2015. So what do you want to call that? You can say that some people in Seymour are uh, displeased with Trump. I think you can make that argument based on the results of the special election in February where Greg Cava actually won Seymour. Um, the first time, you know, Democrat has won a race in Seymour in a while. He, he won his portion of Seymour. Or, or you can say maybe we campaigned a little harder. Maybe we did. I, I think I would say we did. Yeah, like one, one, I saw one quote you talked about, like local politics. There, there was a quote, I think, from the Glastonbury uh, election uh, from a Republican saying like, yeah, it was big Trump backlash. Oh, and uh, people were really upset about the air conditioning issue at the elementary school. <laughs> it was like the perfect embodiment of the yeah. local race. But I mean, it, like given the fact that I mean, if, if you said if you sensed, if anything, uh, an anti-Trump sort of feeling out there, the guy's got a, a approval rating in the high 30s, you know, that's the best uh, measure we have so, that, so that's why, not a that's not a valley indie online poll just no yeah, yeah that's like rasmussen so or something. pew or whatever <laughs> so like wh- why 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 not proactively make that and it, hey kurt miller this is the party of trump you know all all these uh people why not make that uh uh an issue well in, uh, there's a couple or, of or rich zekin for for chris you know yeah. like why why not make that an issue well speaking to myself and this is something that i've said on here before i don't think you should be allowed to run on a democratic or republican slate 
in a municipal election. I think the um, the issues are so dissimilar at the municipal level to the national level. And your average person is just thinking about the national issues when they go in there and they see Democrat or Republican. So to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense to, um, to run on a uh, strong anti-Trump platform right now, particularly considering, um, to be fair to Kurt, he, he was not, you know, a, a you know a, a brash trump Jumping supporter up and down yeah he, right he was he was a Kasich supporter he voted for I mean, the guy I mean, he voted for trump which you know hold his feet to the fire on that if you will but you know he's he's one of those who held his nose against them because he couldn't tolerate a uh, a hillary clinton and in the position he's in you know he 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 certainly sees himself and many see him as as a leader of the republican party at the state level through his work with ccm and now his uh his potential running for state office. Well, should we segue? He into has this? to. He has to play the role of of you know the good Republican. This is very interesting. Now we tried to get. I tried to get Kurt Miller onto the. He might be on tomorrow. He couldn't come on uh, tonight because about eight p.m. two hours ago he posted to his personal Facebook page that he has formed after much consideration and thought. I am excited to announce that I have opened an exploratory committee for statewide office. My plan is to spend the next few weeks talking with folks across the state to determine if I should move forward and what position on the under ticket would most benefit the state of Connecticut. Uh, his campaign website is still under construction, and he established a fundraising page, KurtForCT.com to start collecting donations. My goal is to raise the needed 75 grand in donations to qualify for the citizen elections program by early next year. So, I mean, I guess it's surprising, not surprising, because he says every time they nominate him, the Republicans at the nominating convention, he says, this is it, this is the last one. He's like Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon. I'm too old for this. I'm hanging it up. So, what, (laughs) are you surprised? What's your reaction to that? Uh, I'm not surprised at all. This is something that I expected. I understand why he waited until just after yeah, that surprised me. Election. Hey, hey, wait a second. Uh, you just got reelected. No, uh, it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, it's a, it's a purely political move to wait till just after the municipal election because he doesn't it's it's a very easy thing for the opposition to target something like you already have one foot out the door. And we didn't run anybody against him, so it wouldn't affect his chances of getting reelected, but it could certainly uh, sway some of the down ticket races. So yeah, it's it's a totally um, politically calculated move, without a doubt. What's he going for? I I see. I think he comptroller. <laughs> I don't think he's going for comptroller. I don't think he has. A, he thinks he has a prayer to beat Kevin Lumbo. I don't. I don't oh th- yeah. I don't think anybody was, thinks they could beat was, Kevin Lumbo. Well, he he yes, always, he's he's always spoken. He's always spoken very highly. Yeah, he likes Lumbo. Kevin Lumbo yeah, quite yeah. frankly. So um, lieutenant governor under Loretti. I think if if Loretti is the likely nominee, Kurt will certainly make a push for lieutenant governor him and loretti are very close kurt is you know one of his great champions uh to that to that point i think kurt will have no problem raising the seventy-five thousand because mark loretti is a uh, fundraising machine and i think a lot mark of that money shark. Will, will trickle down right to kurt uh state treasurer is something else that i think he would uh he'd be in line for obviously not um like attorney general and i don't, I don't see him being a uh, secretary of the state type so hmm. I, I think it's between lieutenant governor and treasurer and he was a former board of finance chairman i think in seymour yes yeah that's so where he uh that's where he got his start in be a, in seymour politics a good fit if the i would i would like 
Would they have a, a ticket like that with one guy from Shelton and one guy from from Seymour? Would would they want to try to use that lieutenant governor like the Democrats did with LBJ in uh, nineteen sixty to like have some guy some from some other corner of the state to try to capture a uh, you know make it a more geogra- geographically diverse ticket? Do you think if I'm if I'm the I mean, assuming Loretti, right. we're, yeah, I mean, we're there's right. a lot of ifs. We're there's, there's what nineteen. 19 Republicans right now in the race. Um, yeah, it's, it's easier to name people who if, aren't in Yeah, it. <laughs> pretty much. If Loretti and Kurt are on a ticket together, I think you'll see the uh, state Democratic Party jumping for joy because the Valley is it's tiny in Connecticut politics. You know, not that not not to say anything you know necessarily negative about Kurt and Loretti as people or as candidates, but if the perception from the state Democratic Party will be one of, of great joy if the two of them are, are running together, and that's what we have to go up against because they're not gonna they're not gonna make a dent in the cities, and that's where Democrats you know get their votes. Has he been? Uh, I mean, I guess we'll ask. Well, we'll ask him all this if he comes on tomorrow, and he won't answer any of them. No one, Kurt, about you know about this this specifically. But could he be angling for a spot with Themis if she is? Uh Kurt, is, Kurt has, has gotten himself into a, a really good position through his work with CCM, his connections with the Valley, obviously, because right now the Valley is the hub for Republican politics yeah. in Connecticut, as we see. I mean, it's going... And CCM's the Connecticut Conference of Municipalities, right, the, sorry. Oh, yeah, lobbying, the lobbies on behalf of municipalities, Correct. towns, whatever. So through, so through that connection, he's very close with Mark Bowen, another of the leading candidates. Um, through his localized work, he's very close with Themis Claritis for obvious reasons. He's very close with Mark Loretti. I know he's close with Tim Herbst. So you look at those those four, possibly the four leading candidates for a Republican, and he's put himself in a great position to uh, to be very cozy with any of them. Hi, this is Eugene, most likely interrupting myself to bring you a message from our sponsor. What will you be remembered for? Adding a charity to your estate plan creates a legacy that tells future generations what causes matter to you during your life. Learn more at valleygivesback.org. It's an initiative of the Valley Community Foundation. Plan now. Give later. An impact tomorrow at valleygivesback.org. Now back to the show. Getting back to uh, Trump and whether... uh, I I thought... I never thought of Trump or anything that was happening in the uh, national scene the whole time we were covering these elections. Like it never occurred to me. Well, I mean, like even that, as the results yeah, came that's in, that's why I asked, like, wh- why not make a more well, I think of an I, issue of that this, would, this to me guy that would be a in, terrible uh, approval rating. I think you, I, I think person like in the Valley and Derby and Ansonia, you would uh, you'd lose votes if you did that because I don't think people, in my personal opinion, and just somebody who I've only lived in Derby for ten years, but. Uh, I didn't think that had anything to do with uh, with what happened in Derby uh, on Tuesday, you know. And I, I think I was surprised, frankly. Like one of the fundraisers was called "Keep Derby Blue." Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's perfectly uh, legitimate to say that, but because uh, there's so many unaffiliated. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, just in my experience, a lot of times in Derby, even at, at some of the meetings, you can tell who you know if parties if, if the two individuals don't like each other, you can tell, but you can't tell. If they're a Democrat or Republican, Republican often, you know, it doesn't. It's not that. It's not that partisan. So, 
even that, I, I was surprised just to see that because I thought some people would be like, oh, like they would turn their nose up at that because they don't like that kind of conversation uh, coming into the to the local thing. So, and I, I would think if you if you campaign locally uh, and mention Trump, you're just you're just asking people to to vote against you. It's sort of a, uh, I mean, people wanted local, real local answers. Uh, that's just my opinion on that. And you're not gonna. You're just okay. I, did, I, they, I think, they, I think he's he's said and done enough objectively. I think there's a wall. I think people just put that out of their heads. That locally. if if you know, I, I think you should at least ask the question or raise it as an as an issue. That's just I'm. But I've never run a campaign. If I did, I'd probably well. Lose that's it. what we both say. So I just, you know, I just it just that's something that surprised me, but. Like, I'm just I mean, I, I speaking, thought I'm just, speaking with the advantage of hindsight, too. Right. And as we said at the beginning, you know, these were unique races. There were, you know, I mean, the 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 victor in the on the Republican side in Derby said it was the, the Marshall Lane Manor was the decisive issue. Uh, like we said in Ansonia, you've got a mayor who's very, you know, people like honk to on the on they were driving by on the sidewalk and stuff i mean he's a good retail politician as his uh, opponent said um but i just you know in in i guess i'm more surprised than Sony in the face of of that sort of popular mayor like why not you know why not try i guess but we don't have an ansonia democrat here to ask so perhaps that's unfair yeah I, I mean i just think that would be i think that would you'd, you'd You'd just be hurting yourself. That's just my opinion. I think it's more about like what, uh, like, like, I mean, it really, really is knocking on doors. I mean, I mean, I thought in Derby, like, you can't, you can't underestimate how that divide within the, the Democratic Party had to play a part, uh, you know, in, in at the end. Oh, no, no, end, absolutely. You know, some I people mean, could, I mean, the fact that you're on now, we'll get that, I'll yeah. see, there'll be some stuff on Facebook. That's that guy, Chris LaRoe, you know. Yeah, right, yeah. Because, right, you know, there's, there, there is that. I thought the Naugatuck Valley Young Democrats, you guys did some disruption, right? Isn't that the phrase? Oh, absolutely. There was some definitely some yep. disrup- disruption done. Uh, but on one, on one hand, like it definitely got the mayor through the primary, but it's also stirred up this hornet's nest of uh, of just activity in in Derby. You know, kind of it kind of threw everything just up in the air. Yeah. Uh, uh, I and I just thought that was more. That's why like Trump never. Ever came into my head uh, in Derby. Well, I, you know, I think though, I think a little bit of the perspective that you want to look at it from is going to make a little bit of a difference here. Because I, I, you know, I always thought that one of the 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 things that. Trump, one of the reasons Trump had an impact and the reason why I felt like part of it, um, part of that was happening was because of the fact that like he would just keep going on with these unnecessary sort of like tangents with the NFL and and the the flag and um, okay, you know, certainly it's important to uh, respect the flag and stuff, Um, but to make a bigger deal out of it and and you know there were people that i work with and people that i know and that are like why doesn't he just stop with this sort of stuff oh so you're saying okay i think i misunderstood you then because so you're saying that his effect in the valley might have been in derby or ansonia among blue collar workers or or whatever uh because we're below i mean look at our at our paycheck we're the working poor but uh (laughs) so that made them that could make them go in and just vote across the board 
Republican. Cause, I cause mean, they, yeah, he, he's it, got them. Yeah, fired yeah, up yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh, I think I think okay, one of the reasons. Yeah, I think that's that a little is, different than what I thought. Yeah, I definitely think is one of the things that 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 it did is it, it sort of kept them on a slow simmer and it gave them reasons to still be you know aggrieved about things and still be met. And then all of a sudden, at a local level, all you have to do is just take one or two issues, and they're already primed and ready to go. You know, so and I think the you know the Re- Republicans did that very effectively in this. You know, and. And, and it worked really well. Do you guys get the sense that maybe, like, let's talk about Derby specifically. Do you think Derby uh, resident, the average Derby, maybe, or the average resident that came out and voted on Tuesday, they're more in tune with what's happening in their community than, than elsewhere? I mean, I'll go to you as a, you know, you've covered a bunch of towns over the years. You've covered a bunch of elections in different places, different socioeconomic makeups. Do you get the sense that, like, Ansonia people are more tuned into what's happening in their community than elsewhere? Well, I, I think you have to approach it from the fact that most people don't vote. Most eligible people don't vote in local elections. So by definite, you know, the people who do vote, yeah, they they, they are. Damn, the answer is the Valley's way more in tune. I'm going to do a McLaughlin. What was that guy's name? John McLaughlin. John McLaughlin. On, a, on a scale of one to ten. <laughs> Wrong. One being completely un- oblivious. I, I can't being... believe I totally get the sense. Even I think about where I grew up in Somers, New York, where it's like nobody followed the issues. Everyone just voted along whatever party they were a member of. You know, there was always more Republicans, so the Republicans always won. That's that's the way it wasn't like Northern Westchester. Mm-hmm. Nobody really... But here you get the sense that people are really... They have a stake in it. You know, that's why I thought it would be a mistake to bring in the national stuff, because people were more concerned about... You know, people were in tune with Marshall Lane Manor. I could feel it at the debate. Yeah. Trying to yeah. get talk about Marshall Lane Manor, and like the, the room just was the only time of the whole night where the room just kind of went... <sighs> it was like just... Well, like, yeah, when it, well, and I saw you cheering at one point, Marshall, me, breaking the rules. I turned over yeah. my shoulder. There's Steve. It's a fun. I don't think well, I mean, could have been well, any didn't, further didn't from you. Think, at the uh, didn't you think away. a flavor of that Marshall Lane Manor debate as it's played out, not only at the debate, but at these meetings? Don't you think there's a flavor of, I mean, xenophobia that with that? Don't you think that that's, a, that, that's sort of stoked by... Trump and the the hard right wing of the Republican Party. Don't you think oh, there's yes. an aspect of yes. that? I think mm-hmm. yes. I think that. I mean, I didn't go to those meetings. You, I mean, you cover them. I mean, I didn't every, get the sense from every our comment thread we have illegals. The word <laughs> illegals. Yeah, right. no, We're gonna have illegals online. in there. Listen, I, so, hey, hey, I moderated no, comments that's online. before Trump. Two thousand six. I moderated comments. It, it, people, racist people love the internet. Sit through <laughs> one of those meetings. <laughs> sit through one of those meetings. You'll hear those comments in person. Not all of them. Yeah. Not all, everybody. Well, hell, we underreported that. Not then. everybody. Who's, well, look at that orange flyer. I mean, that's total xenophobia. Right yeah, there. that was a hit job. Well, I the just thing. Right, the thing from my perspective with the Marshall Lane, uh, Marshall Lane Manor, and again, is, that's not all the opposition no, to no, it. Just certainly, but that. but there's a lot of people who hear that these are kids coming from foreign countries. In the in the era of Trump, I think a lot of people don't look any further than the word foreign, uh, and, and attached with people. I think you guys and, are selling the Derby residence short. Listen, no, 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 no. This is just this is just in regards to that issue. I don't know how much of a of a factor it played. I mean, when when a candidate loses by 500 votes, you can't say that one issue that came up a couple weeks before the election was no, the yeah, side that's factor. definitely true. You can't say that. Um, but I, I will say to this issue is, and this is something that irks me, is is people right on your comment page or right on your page in the comment section will say. I don't want these kids in here. We're, what are they going to do on the weekends? We don't know what these kids are like. We don't know anything about them. And then all the all the data and all of the facts point to these kids being 
you know, way less disruptive than your average Derby high school high schooler or Seymour high schooler for that matter, or any high schooler who lives in a community has free reign in the community. These kids were like in a, in a you know are going to be in a pseudo prison setting where they're very regimented in every action that they do. And, and people are freaking out because they're, they're expecting these kids to come up their, you know, their backyards and in a burglar mask because they're, you know, they're from a different country. It's, it, it's something where people just don't like change. They don't like accepting different people into their community, whether, whether they will say it or not. It's just a, it's a, you know, kind of guttural reaction it's so you knocked on doors in Derby on, on the hilltop. Absolutely. Did um, you? What did you? What did people say about it? You know, I mean, and that's Chris LaRoque. That is. That is. Um, yeah. You know, generally they they were worried about uh, they they were certainly worried about property values. They were certainly worried about the sort of people that were coming in. I don't want to say that all of them were xenophobic, but, I mean, you, you got a flavor of it, and you got a flavor. I mean, it was kind of like, you know, it was like a half a Sunday was just not knowing who the people were and stuff like that, and then the other half of the flavor was not caring. I thought, uh, I mean, it's a weird use. No, no, undoubtedly. I and think don't I, like, I, I would don't be like more weird. upset with the, the way use. the way and, it's, and the way it's come about is you know you have these informal talks which you know we are sort of leery of uh, as reporters. I think with with this like oh we'll have informal talks then we, you know we don't have to like it doesn't trigger any FOI or anything like that. Then they come before the commission. And then they essentially get the commission to write a new regulation into the into the zoning code. And I think that is, you know, just looks sort of hinky from the outside. I mean, I, I, I think that's sort of more objectionable than what what the use actually is. And I mean, weird use in that. I mean, it was a nursing home. You, 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 bought, you bought a home there. It was always a nursing home. Who thought nursing homes would go away? You know, I, I mean, if I'd lived there, I'd be a little like, what are they trying to do there? I think the timing of it, well, that, if it that's had come, if that it had some come a year ago, yeah. if it had come a year ago and it had kind of everyone kind of freaked out and then they had time to flesh it all out. But I think it did kind of scare people because I don't know if I lived there. I never thought a nursing home would go away. Now you're trying some use. So these kids are going to a private school. Something, I mean, great. Speaking of somebody from Seymour where economic development you know, in, in Seymour, we envy Derby and Ansonia for what they've been able to do over the last few years in terms of bringing in new businesses. What you hear is, you know, we need creative solutions to uh, bring in new businesses or, or put things on the tax tax rolls. And and right here is a creative solution, and people are immediate. The immediate reaction is to pull away from no. it. No. Yeah. Yeah. Not in my That's backyard. True. Yeah. So you people know? people want creative solutions as long as they don't disrupt the apple cart and it's, it's hard to find those that's like we had uh, Sheila O'Malley and Sonia's economic development director and grant writer in here just on a lark to talk about hey what if the Bridgeport Bluefish, Bluefish yeah. came right here and our Facebook you damn you to hell Valley Indy I was like whoa we just need to kill 30 minutes of this podcast I thought it was an interesting <laughs> idea but people are even against that yeah so. well they, they, they People it's all like Trader it. Joe's, man. If it ain't Trader Joe's yeah. or Whole Foods, oh, people, people don't want to know. Or Stu Leonard. People are like 20 years behind in the things that they would like to see in their communities, I think. Yeah. 20 years ago, Trader Joe's would have been great. Who knows if Trader Joe's is going to exist in 10 years? You know, re big retail stores are, are going away. Yeah, that's, that's quite terrifying. Quite frankly, they that's, really are. Yeah, it's terrifying. We'll and, all just be getting and soil you, and green from Amazon right. drones. And you could long, Soros. and you could sit around longing for the days of the, of those things, or you can get, you know, move into the future, try to get ahead of the next wave. 
you know what we need to do is focus on um you know focus on getting people into manufacturing again you know these high-tech jobs into computer science fields you know we need we need to tell people it's okay not to go to college but we need to have an alternative a real alternative for them Mm -hmm. And, and there's things there there are places in seymour i'm sure in ansonia right here downtown ansonia if you could put up a community college or you could put up some sort of trade school some sort of technology um education facility here that that could be a huge a huge boon to the to the area and that could attract companies that could attract you know young people to the community but instead we have so many people who are who are hung up on the idea of you know the, the people cassetti says well we're gonna get an arby's nobody has any idea if that's actually gonna happen maybe maybe not but people are like wow that'd be great we need another fast food place all right i'm so, good <laughs> i want to thank crystal roke stefan bahuniak crystal roke of derby yep stefan bahuniak member of the seymour board of selectmen thank you so much for coming with no notice and for doing this podcast no thanks for having us thank you as always for having me always a pleasure and we're actually not going to end because now in the next part, if it all works out, next up will be Drew Backlick, who was Rich Zekin's campaign manager. Mm, cool. Interesting to hear what he has to say. So we have a special guest. I said our next guest would be Andrew Backlick, Rich Zekin's campaign manager. But we have with us on the line... J.R. Romano, chairman of the State Republican Party. Hello, J.R. Hey, Eugene. How are you? So you're joining this podcast. This is actually 30 minutes in. Just before this, I had talked to two members of the Naugatuck Valley Young Democrats, uh, Stephen Bahuniak, Stefan Bahuniak, one of them, a member of the Board of Selectmen in Seymour. And we've been sort of rolling around with this idea of the Trump effect in the Valley because we've seen this narrative and a couple of stories saying, well, Tuesday night nationally and in most of Connecticut was this rebuke of President Trump and his policies. Well, that, but Eugene, that's not actually true. Not even close to true. So, so and I'm going to tell you why. First of all, let's take nationally. New Jersey and Virginia are Democrat states. Right. So Chris Christie was the most unpopular governor in the country, uh, only to be followed by Dan Malloy and his lieutenant governor was running. It's New Jersey. It's not like this is we're talking about a quote unquote red state. Now, let's take Connecticut. Uh, some of those victories the Democrats had, although they they would love to think that it was about Trump um, in in I think about. Eight or nine of those communities, you had nasty GOP primaries leading up to the election. So you had divided parties, similar in Derby, right? And I'm sure the Democrats would claim that that's why you need a loss, right? That what? That it was the it was the Trump effect, or that it was uh, the the primary split in the Democratic Party. Yeah, right. So so basically, in Guilford, Clinton, Farmington. New Canaan, Greenwich, I'm, uh, and there was, a, there was a couple others where you had primary leading up to the, to the general election. Well, let, let me jump in for a second. All those places, I don't even know where they are in a map. We're so valley. I don't go beyond uh, Division no, I Street. That. I understand that. I'm so, just saying that they're, they're claiming these massive victories across the state as a Trump effect, but when you dive deep into the local politics, it's just not true. Yeah, so let's talk about like Derby uh, and Ansonia Specifically, sure. I mean, we we had this conversation uh, on this podcast previously. Uh, I, I didn't when I was doing reporting on the Derby race and the Ansonia race. 
President Trump or anything happening on the national level never occurred to me. I didn't, I didn't think it was an issue at all. Do you think uh, Trump in any way had anything to do with the results in, in Sonia Derby? No. No, I think, and this is again, you know, the old adage, all politics is local. I think Mayor, I think the voters in Ansonia thought and believed that Mayor Cassetti was leading the city the, the right way and has appreciated how he's, he's treated taxes in the city. And I think in Derby, you have a situation where it was the exact opposite, where, where the citizens felt that Anita was not leading the city properly and she was voted out. And what about uh, Rich Zekin's campaign uh, was sort of remarkable in a way to me, and I'd like to get your take on it. It was pretty grassroots. I mean, Andrew Backlick was his campaign manager. He had no experience running a municipal campaign before. What's your assessment of how he did? What was their strong points? So one of the things, and, and this is where the, what you can argue where Trump did have an effect is energizing uh, certain members of the Democratic Party, but and, and, and engaging them, right? Like the the Naugatuck Valley young Republic, uh, young Democrats popped up because of Trump, right? I'd say that's accurate. Now, yeah, their effectiveness in the Valley didn't matter, right? They were not successful at anything they attempted, um, other than probably uh, helping Anita Mayor Degato defeat Carmen DeCenzo in the primary. Sure. Sure, right, in, a, in the primary, sure. By getting out. So Democrats were really focused on turning out Democrat voters because in, in cities like Derby and Antonio, they actually outnumber Republicans, right? So the Democrats are turning more and more towards their base, but it didn't work. And, and, and so with Drew, and, and we, I worked with these guys in, in understanding and preparing for a potential uptick in Democrat participation, adjusted our numbers, and told Rich, he had to knock doors, and he knocked, and he knocked, and he knocked. So the, the, the advice or the takeaway in Derby is really you can't get too partisan. I guess for one right wing, right wing, or left wing, you have to be sort of uh, in the middle to, to appeal to the most of the unaffiliated voters. Well, but, but let's, let's think from an entirely different perspective. A community like Ansonia or Derby, which are small, you know each other mm -hmm. for the most part. You, you have interactions on a daily basis with the people. So when you try to slam someone for being a Trump voter or, or, or you know, these, these really over-the-top national messages to your friend. Like, I, I would never look at Carmen DeCenzo, who I've known my entire life. He actually gave me my first job and say, you're a, you're a you know, th this horrible liberal. I would never do that. Now, we may disagree on things, but that's kind of where I think some of the, some of the, 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 the national narrative didn't play. And, and here's the other thing, too, Eugene, and I know the young Democrats, and, and to your point about not, you know, this being a show about the Valley and, and the towns in the Valley, when you look at where the Democrats were successful, they were successful in liberal, or uh, let me rephrase that, wealthy liberal Democrats came out to vote in municipal elections for the first time in a long time. So basically, the Democrats in our state turned out the 1%, Glastonbury, Guilford, Lucanen, uh, uh, you know, they didn't. Democrats in places like Norwich and Derby and Ansonia voted for Republicans. Mm -hmm. Middle class Americans are turning to the Republican Party for help because they can't afford the taxes that have been pushed on them. So it's a very interesting dichotomy what's happening with the left and the right.
Yeah, that is it is fascinating. And so, just getting back to the point about uh, 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 the local race and and how to get or how to not get partisan in it. One thing that was I was struck by was uh, Mayor Degato had a fundraiser that uh, it was themed "Keep Derby Blue," which I think was a mistake. Yeah, now explain because Rich wouldn't do one saying "Turn Derby Red," right? Just explain why you thought that was a mistake. Well, and it's something that that we pointed out in in. in what is so great about your your uh, the Valley Independent Sentinel in, in terms of the, the chatter that's on online is is I think one of the young Democrats was called out for that. All Anita Degada was worried about was keeping Derby blue, keeping Derby blue. Well, you know who doesn't care about that? The guy or the family, the single mom whose property taxes went up, who's frustrated at downtown, who feels like the city's not working the right way. They don't care whether it's red or blue. They just want their city to be better. Hmm. Interesting. And then, JR, last thing I wanted to ask you about was last night on Facebook, Seymour First Selectman W. Kurt Miller posted that he has or is forming an exploratory committee to ponder whether he's going to make a run of some kind for statewide office. Uh, and we had Stefan Bohuniak, who's a Democrat on the board of selectmen in Seymour under Miller. Bohuniak was saying, Miller's well-positioned because he's friends with Themis, he's friends with Mark Loretti, he's close with Mark Boughton, uh, Herbst. He, everybody loves Kurt Miller. So Everyone does love Kurt Miller. So what do you, what do you think he's going to do? What, we're, we're thinking lieutenant governor under, under Loretti. What, what is he doing? You know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, he's exploring a statewide run, so that could be one of many different races. But, but what everyone needs to understand about Kurt, He's done an unbelievable job. In fact, he's done in Seymour. They've done such a great job that they were going to be a community that was massively penalized by Dan Malloy's cuts because they had done such a good job in terms of maintaining and keeping their fund balance and keeping their finances in order. And that's a credit to Kurt and the Republicans in Seymour um, that we were on a list to be penalized for our for the success they had in Seymour. So it's kind of ironic. But Kurt has done a tremendous job. He served on State Central. Um, so he does certainly have the credentials. Um, and yeah, I mean, what I love is that Derby, well, the Valley, I should say, when you consider Themis, Mark and, and Kurt, you know, these, these, these people from our tight little group in, in, you know, the lower Naugatha Valley are, are starting to splash under the state scene. And I love it. It is an interesting time to be a Valley Republican, I guess. That's right. It's, it's almost all red. I think. Naugatuck, the council went. Yeah, I don't think that we had a Republican challenger for the for the mayor, but the, the Burgesses, if I remember correctly, went red. Yeah, no, I haven't paid attention. See, we don't go we don't go that far. We're we're that local. Don't that far up. We don't have enough money to go up to go up that way. <laughs> but all right, Jr. Romano, th- those are all my questions. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, just with no prep uh, calling us up and talking about oh, Tuesday's anytime, election. So. You know that. So anyway, on the line, as promised, is Andrew Backlick. He was the campaign manager for GOP challenger, now mayor-elect Rich Zekin. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking to the people of the Valley and the people of Derby. Thank you for having me on. Very excited to uh, to stay involved. I was very excited to get involved, and uh, I'm excited to uh, talk to you guys. 
So uh, just going into Tuesday, did you have a feeling uh, of complete nerves? Did you think it was going to be close? Did you think, uh, wh- how did you think it was going to turn out? Going into Tuesday, you know, we had, you know, all our measurables and all our metrics were, were showing that, yes, it was going to be close. We kind of had a range of possible outcomes that we considered. And, uh, you know, at this point, it really doesn't matter. So I can tell you what those ranges were. We had it looking like we were going to either win by as little as 53 votes or win by as many as 516 votes. Um, I think the final tally was we won by 507. So I'm very surprised that it was on that high end because during Tuesday, we were an absolute nervous wreck in headquarters and for me, it's my first election day, my first involvement in an election day, and uh, trying to crunch those numbers all day was, was an absolutely nerve-wracking experience. And I, I had us, at the end of the day, I had a piece of paper in my hand with my tally that showed us having 1,289 votes, people that we had identified. Hmm. Um, and I believe the mayor's final number was 1,292. So had that been accurate, we would have been so close that it would require a recount luckily for us and at the end of the day that was not accurate you know huge victory to our to our you know amazement but also uh, you know it showed that our hard work paid off you know zeke walked the doors and, and that was our strategy from day one he uh he shook hands with 2500 people uh, who promised them his vote and our promise yeah promise promise him their vote and uh it, it worked out that way so and now, what's happening in general? Uh, now there's uh, a transition of some type is going to take place or is underway. What are some of the, what happens in the next few weeks now? I guess my question is. Well, right now we have a transition team put together, and we are interviewing people for appointed positions. We are, we still haven't been in City Hall, believe it or not. And obviously today is Veterans Day. Um, thank you for your service to all the veterans that are listening. Um, so we, we really couldn't do too much today. Um, we have some interviews for, for different positions and we're trying to get the lay of the land. We'll go to city hall early next week. And, um, obviously we have Mark Garfalo who's back in as the city clerk. We have Keith McLiberty who's back in as, as the treasurer. Those two guys are going to be valuable assets for us, um, in the transition. Uh, they already know the lay of the land, something as simple as, Hey, where do you keep the extra toilet paper around here? Uh, those guys know. Um, so we're going to use use those guys, tap into uh, their knowledge, and hopefully they can just give us a quick tour around the building and, and introduce us to everybody who works there. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to being inaugurated and getting in there. And uh, I believe it's the Monday, the first Monday in December, that, you know, we kind of, our administration comes in and, and takes over. So we want to be as prepared as possible for that day. And have, has the campaign or the transition team already reached out to Keith McLiberty and Mark Garofalo? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so I personally that... have had multiple conversations with both of them. Uh, I know the mayor has had conversations with mayor-elect, has had conversations with both of them. And, um, you know, obviously they're both Democrats. We come from the Republican side of things. But I think uh, you, I have had this conversation, Eugene. That really has never mattered to me. What matters to me is Derby. And I think we all are in agreement that we need to get to work. I mean, the financials that we blew the whistle on earlier this year are a reality. Um, we are inheriting some of those issues. We are inheriting some of the good work that the mayor has done. We're grateful for that. Um, but at the end of the day, Keith and Mark 
really have been on the on the ground floor uh, of a lot of that stuff for quite some time. So their, their experience and their knowledge is, is going to be invaluable to us moving forward. And we've all pledged to work together and extend the olive branch across party lines and all that stuff. None of none of that matters. I, I don't think to anybody involved. At least at least that's what it seems uh, so far. But yeah, because I think it's one thing that. Uh, uh mayor like Zekin is going to have to do is sort of bring the parties together. The Democrats are divided. He, I guess his plan is to act as a peacemaker with everybody. Uh, so it's all, it sounds like it's off to a start. If you're in contact with uh, Mark Garofalo and, and Keith McLiberty, it's all, all the moving parts are happening. Yes, absolutely. I, I think you can safely say that. So then just the, the, the thing that we were sort of talking about in this podcast now, now we're like deep into it, uh, there was, the, you know, there was this. There were a bunch of stories. Uh, Kevin Rennie, a columnist for the Hartford Current, had a, had a column talking about Tuesday's election outside of the Valley, where uh, the narrative was that well, Democrats did well nationally. Democrats did well uh, in the state of Connecticut, and this was a uh, Kevin Rennie described it as the Trump rebuke uh, that it's beginning. This this sort of anti-Trump backlash is bringing people to the polls, and, and uh, that had an effect on the elections Tuesday. Now, J.R. Romano countered that by saying, well, if you look at it closely, that's, that's really not true at all. But I'm just wondering, do you think like the national party scene and the things that were happening nationally and President Trump or uh, uh, you know, uh, the National Democrats, the Al Frankens, did that have any effect? Uh, did you hear any of that when you knocked on doors? Do you think that helped or hurt uh, Rich Zekin in any way? I think Rich had one person who went to the door that said, oh, you're Republican, uh, I hate Trump, and he slammed the door in his face. One person out of 2,500 doors that he hit. So no, we didn't We didn't feel that at all. Um, and I don't think we felt that in the Valley at all, really, to be honest with you. Um, I think at this point, the people of Derby and the people of Antonia, the people of Steamer, I think they're cognizant enough to realize that Really, the national picture doesn't matter much for us around here at this point. I mean, we, we have our own small-town issues um, that have affected people here in the working class in a way that I don't think they really care party lines. I mean, there'd be, what, three to one Democrat to Republican, and mm. we somehow pulled out a 507-vote victory. Oh, I mean, I think for, for us it was a non-factor, and we, and we didn't want to get into the political um, – or game statewide. Now we didn't. We had the opportunity a couple of times to mention Governor Malloy and some of his policy, and a tie there to God to that. And you know, we, we chose not to go that route because really, what we care about is is the citizens of Derby and you know, trying to provide tax relief and make mm. some good decisions. I'll just jump in and say you broke you you broke up a little bit there, but you you were you were just saying that you. You didn't take the opportunity to tie uh, Mayor Degado to Governor Malloy. Basically, you kept Correct. it very, you Correct. kept it very Correct. local. I think we just felt like that that was not a good strategy, and you know we're all we all want what's best for Derby. And I said that multiple times about the mayor, about the alderman. There's no question that if you get involved in politics on a local level, you, you have to have a care for your community. There, there's no doubt to me that the mayor had passion for Derby, and I know she was was very upset, emotional when she won against Carmen. She was very upset and emotional when she lost the other night, and that just shows her, her devotion to the city, and we, and we appreciate that about her. Um, I, I didn't want to besmirch her by saying, oh, you're tied to the Democratic uh, 
policies of, of Governor Malloy. I, I don't know how, I don't know, I don't know that really helped any of us. Okay, and then my last question, you had mentioned the, the transition team. Like, how many people are on it? Who's on the transition team? Who's helping out uh, at this part, at this point, to get uh, Mayor-elect Zekin ready to take as, office? As of, as of this point, um, myself, Mayor Zekin, have taken a couple meetings by ourselves, just the two of us. Um, I think it, it depends on what area we're looking at. Um, we have a campaign treasurer in Judy Shevchek who's got some clerical experience she's helped us in that area a little bit when we're looking at administrative assistance and some other different positions where she's maybe a little bit more knowledgeable and some of the computer programs and things like that uh, we have sam palastro who is the republican uh, town committee chair um, who has some experience working with uh, unions and some of the other things that, that he's done that he brings to the table so basically right now it's more been in the conversational phase mm. with uh, about a lot of these things um, in terms of actual sit-down interviews, you know, those will be happening over the next couple of weeks, and, and we're still trying to evaluate, you know, what that's going to look like. We, like I said, we still have to get into city hall and talk to the department heads and talk to everybody. And uh, we haven't, we didn't want to count our chickens before they were hatched election day. Sure. So as a result, we've kind of gone to the situation now where we have a lot of work to do between now and uh, and December when Rich actually walks into that building as the mayor. Yeah, it's less than a month away. Yes, less than a month away. And, you know, I think there was a lot of criticism of us not having a plan and everything. We've, we've had a plan in the, in the works for quite some time, and we've had uh, a team in mind for quite some time. Uh, it's just a matter of now kind of fine-tuning that, really looking at the charter. There's a lot. I, I will say this, Eugene, this has been a challenge for us. There's, there's a lot of positions in City Hall appointing positions where the definitions, I think we're going to be tweaking some of those and moving some things around and moving some responsibilities around. Um, but part of that, too, is securing our legal counsel and figuring out what we can and what we can't do. So if there's a lot of moving parts right now. There's a lot of things that are challenging, you know, coming in. And, and the mayor, I know, has offered her, her uh, help and support, and we're looking forward to getting in there with her and really kind of getting down to brass tacks and, and and figuring all this out. So, all right. So uh, you're a, a busy man. You got a lot to do. So I'll let you go. But I, I really want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me, and actually for the whole campaign being easy to work with. So uh, I, I do appreciate that. I agree. I look forward to uh, keep, keeping everybody informed, and we'll be uh, doing so through not only the city website, but definitely through Valley Indy. And uh, we look forward to a long and fruitful relationship. So thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks for your great coverage of the debate and the elections. And uh, I certainly am uh, was a fan long before I got involved. So thank you much. All right. Take care, Andrew. Thanks a lot. Okay. So that was Andrew Backlick. That was Rich Zekin's campaign manager. The only other uh, election-related item I wanted to mention in Derby uh, I just bear with me as I bring it up on my cell phone. There is one recount happening. I didn't put it on valleyindy.org yet. We've just been sort of overwhelmed. But in the second ward, uh, there is a recount scheduled for Tuesday, November 14th. This is from Derby Town Clerk Mark Garofalo, who just sent out the information. Uh, Tuesday, November 14th, recount votes for the second ward board of aldermen. It's taking place at 10 a.m., so that's 10 a.m. Tuesday. And that's the race. We had three seats open in the second ward. 
uh, Democrats, Ron Sill, Joe DiMartino, both incumbents, they took first and second place. But the third spot, which had been held by Art Gerkins, uh, Jim Petrino, Republican, bested Art by six votes. So that triggered an automatic recount. So that'll happen Tuesday, November 14th at 10 a.m. in Derby City Hall. So and the public's welcome. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So anyway, this was a, a wonderful podcast. I hope I hope you enjoyed it. I hope uh, you didn't mind us blabbering too much, but I want to thank Chris LaRoque, Stefan Bahuniak, J.R. Romano, and Andrew Backlick for their time. And we're going to have sort of a sister podcast to this episode. Kurt Miller is coming in uh, shortly, so we'll probably post that immediately after this. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much.